I think it's really important for vendors to visit, you know, and understand the operations and or the spaces in which they're serving. So if it is, you know, a wastewater treatment related solution, like visit a number of wastewater treatment plans, ask a lot of questions, understand challenges, kind of live the day in the life of before you start pitching things. So if it's someone new to the sector, new to a position, new to a company, maybe just take the initiative to do that as a starting point. And that builds empathy and understanding with the audience that you're wanting to work with. Welcome to What Are We Talking About? A podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Christina, welcome to another episode of What Are We Talking About? Very excited to have you on. I've known you for, it's got to be at least, at least six or seven years now. Yeah. Sort of when I first really entered <laughs> the water industry as my like full-time job, if you will, um, you were probably one of the first people I've met and I've enjoyed following you and your career ever since. And I feel like in some ways we're on parallel paths because you're heavily involved in innovation, right? My career has revolved around innovation. So in any case, it's going to be a really interesting discussion. And again, thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And uh, you're right. It's been like six, seven years when you were doing really cool things at GE. So it's been a while. Yeah, Christina, and I got to know you through LinkedIn. You wrote quite a few insightful articles about the water industry in general. And then you were gracious enough to invite us to be part of the Water Action Platform. And maybe let's start there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and also why you decided to start that uh, uh, program? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's been great to meet you too, Jim, recently. The Water Action Platform is a community of water professionals and industry leaders around the world. Uh, There's over 97 countries engaged now, uh, thousands of listeners on a monthly basis. And, um, you know, it started back in March 2020 around the pandemic and it was really about sharing, you know, uh, what those experiences of the water utilities, how they were responding, everything from operations, treatment, staff, uh, PPE, you know, how, you know, remember the PPE shortage, how are utilities dealing with that? So it was just really a space for sharing and it was a bit clunky and, you know, uh, you know, we learned quickly, but I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, one of the things I admire about uh, Piers as a leader is like, he doesn't spend too much time to get it perfect. He just does it. He has a lot of leadership and vision and everyone kind of is behind and continues to improve it. So um, it's been running since March, 2020. And today um, we are now pivoting to focus on uh, the next and current issue facing us all, which is climate change and wanting to continue to create this community of sharing and learning and how we come together to really um, do what we need to do to uh, address and be resilient and adapt to what's ahead of us. Sure. Christina, one of the things I've been so impressed with about Isle over the years is your ability to tell a compelling story around innovation 
in the industry mm. and to get key stakeholders like utilities who traditionally are not the most innovative, or at least that's the general consensus, they're not the most innovative, to get them on board and excited about the stories that you're telling about innovation. So just sort of briefly given, there's probably a lot of people that don't know what Isle is, we're going to listen to this, so mm. really short overview of Isle, and then talk a little bit about some of that storytelling that you're doing with your clients to get them excited about innovation. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, I love talking about what we do um, and I love working for the company. So thanks for asking. Um, so Isle Utilities, were an independent advisory consultancy focused on innovation around water. Um, we work primarily with end users, but we're really facilitating an ecosystem of thought leaders around technology, innovation and best practice. And we started in 2005. At the heart of what started Isle was creating the space for sharing and collaboration, recognizing there's a lot of redundancy um, and a lot of opportunities to collaborate and build off those shared experiences. And the other sort of uh, part of the equation is that there's just so much technology out there. And as you know, and I've listened to your podcast as well, it's just how do you get companies to accelerate in the marketplace? And, you know, there's no shortage of technology. So Really, Isle is about creating this ecosystem to find the most promising solutions in the industry and to match that to the end users that have challenges. Sometimes they don't really know what they're what they're looking for, but they know what their end goal is and really kind of playing matchmaker. So that's what we do at Isle. We work with stakeholders around the world. We're primarily aligning with end users and helping them scout and identify solutions out there and creating these like really magical connections to help accelerate innovation in our sector. So um, municipal industry, a lot of different types of end users are, are the partners we work with. Right. So most of our listeners are vendors of uh, products and services to supply to municipal utilities. And one of the issues they always have is to overcome the procurement roadblocks mm -hmm. that sometimes utilities put in, in the way of these vendors. Can you give us a little bit of an idea, since you, you, know, you are the matchmaker, um, give us a little bit of an idea, how do we get around those roadblocks, over them? whichever way we can get get to the right decision makers. Yeah, well, I wish I had the magic answer there. And, you know, we were just talking about like that silver bullet procurement. There isn't one yet. And um, but I do think there's a lot of things that we're not doing. Um, and I'll make like a general comment around that. I think those in procurement maybe need to connect a little bit more with the why and, and the water industry and kind of understand how to create more of a process that's holistic in decision making, um, because that's so important to getting the best result for the community, the customers, longer term, not just bid to contract or lowest price bid. And unfortunately, my my experience and I've worn the procurement hat, I used to sit in a procurement position myself, so I can speak from experience. You know, you're just following, you know, state statute, your local, uh, you know, uh, city policy and it's black and white. You have to follow it. Um, there's also concerns about liability and, and all of those things. So there definitely needs to be conversation and leadership at the local community level um, to overcome that. If that's not there, it's just going to be really challenging. 
Um, you know, budgetary limits, I think, are on, on are another roadblock. You know, some that differs with different utilities. It could be five thousand dollars. It could be, you know, half a million. Um, so uh, sorry. Yes, half a million. So there's, you know, wide ranges there, too. Um, so how do we overcome it? Well, I think there's some ideas that we can continue to um, put some energy behind in our sector. And don't really hear this being spoken about quite a bit. So I'm happy to advocate it for it here. And um, support continued discussions, which is, you know, how are we allowing utility organizations to um, develop procurement mechanisms uh, regionally, right? So if a utility is purchasing X chemicals for treatment, how can their neighbor utilities piggyback off those contracts to lower pricing? How can they still create a competitive bid environment, but in the end, optimize the supply chain, lower costs? That's just one example that can work with a lot of different opportunities for technology or solution providers. I think like one specific example I can give you is advanced metering infrastructure. If utilities are all moving towards advanced metering infrastructure, why are we not tackling this regionally to optimize expense around cell tower infrastructure and other communications and infrastructure that we need to really get the most out of AMI? If utilities right next to each other are purchasing AMI, but with different vendors like did they really not take advantage of potential cost savings for their customers? So regional collaboration on the supply chain and procurement, I think, is super important. And that starts at the planning level. And, um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for doing pre-qualification before a utility goes to request for proposals to understand what's out there you know, set some key criteria, understand what's out there, incorporate new technology, right? So if, if it's, you know, um, application specific and you have specific criteria around operations and objectives, you know, you don't need to define, you, you want to define the experience of the technology, like how many installations, but cast a wide net, go through pre-qualification process, make innovation integral to that process, and then bid for a more nor more narrow uh, scope of work based on what you want. So I'll end it right there. Let me know if you want me to dive a little bit deeper, but those are just some things that I think we need to be doing more of. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals. Showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders, Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. You're 100% right, Christina. And when we think about innovation in water, there's sort of three players as, as I see it. Um, and as recently at WEFTEC, we talked about on a number of panels, which are you have the utilities or the government with their with procurement practices or the, the asset owners. You've got the consulting firms that are also playing a role in this to some extent. And then you have the vendors of the, of the products or equipment themselves. If we, you know, someone listening to this, always pick on the pump salesman. Pump salesman is out there driving around, knocking on utility doors. <laughs> And he's saying, I can't, you know, I can't influence the procurement practice. I can't influence any of that. Right. So I'm, I like, that's just sounds crazy to me, but he certainly can influence a story that he's telling to the utility that will then maybe encourage them 
to either change their procurement practice or work with the engineering firm to help get that equipment into the utility. What, what's an example of a, a good story or set of stories or way of communicating as a vendor that can get utilities bought in into what you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think the vendor just needs to understand the utility. You know, how are they set up from a governance perspective? What is the challenge they're trying to solve? What, what, if, if it's an individual, what are, what's success for them? What are they trying to do? They're, it's not granular to like, I need this pump to work. It's no, I need my system to have reliability, et cetera. So I think it's important for vendors, particularly if you're in a sales role to understand that. And if that person doesn't go through training, if that still doesn't work, maybe that's not the right field. So I, I think it's really just understanding the individual, what's important to them, what their broader goals are, and then being part of that solution. So, you know, if it's risk management, if it's, um, you know, um, reducing cost, is it, there's ways that vendors can partner to assume risk, you know, provide guaranteed and performance. They can provide the financing. Um, they can take the burden of turnkey service. So those are different mechanisms out there. And so any solution provider by getting to know the prospective utility and how they can help can then do the work to figure out that solution. It shouldn't be on the utility because they're, you know, they're busy and there's probably 10 other pump guys. So like, what are you going to do? That's different. So I think that's the main, that's the main thing. <laughs> sorry to the, sorry to all the pump professionals. Right. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I really like the idea and and you brought this up before and uh, in, in your writing and in our, when we had our prep call about the vendors taking an entrepreneurial, having an entrepreneurial mindset, right? And, and that's what you're saying. How do you differentiate yourself? Well, you're working for a big company. And so, you know, you mentioned some of these things. Any other ways that a, a vendor or products and services could take that entrepreneurial mindset? Well, I think... Um based on my personal experience too. I mean, my first day on the job was at a treatment facility. And so I think it's really important for vendors to visit, you know, and understand the operations and or the spaces in which they're serving. So if it is, you know, a wastewater treatment related solution, like visit a number of wastewater treatment plans, ask a lot of questions, understand challenges, kind of live the day in the life of, before you start pitching things. So if it's someone new to the sector, new to a position, new to a company, maybe just take the initiative to do that as a starting point. And that builds empathy and understanding with the audience that you're wanting to work with. And I, I think our water industry, one of the things I love about our sector and while, why I know I'll spend the rest of my life working in this field is that it's a very collegiate you know, collaborative space. And I do genuinely feel water utilities are innovative. They are looking for better solutions. They just need to manage risk and they can manage risk through trusted partnerships as well. So if a vendor solution provider is wanting to, again, live a day in the life, they're building trust. And, um, and that utility professional you know, knowing that they can count on that vendor is really important part of the equation too. So, um, yeah, that was a bit long-winded. No, <laughs> no, that was helpful. Right. 
Yeah, that's no, great. Really. I mean, you know, building empathy, building trust, those aren't typically things that are concepts that are talked about when you're onboarding and you are going to get ready to sell pumps your first year out of college or whatever it might be. Like, you know, think about building empathy, think about building trust. It's sort of a really interesting exercise. So I'm, I'm curious, Christina, hmm. having, having now worked with aisle for it's at least six years, maybe even longer. Yeah. Seven. You've come <laughs> across what thousands, tens of thousands of innovative water companies or technologies. What, you know, you can name specific names or not. It's up to you. But like a couple examples of companies you feel are doing this really well. They're finding a, an interesting way to differentiate. They're telling a really unique story. They're finding a really cool way to build trust or empathy with the end customer. I'd love to hear a couple examples. Hmm. Wow. I, I'm a big fan of a lot of companies. I'm not supposed to have favorites and I don't, but there are ones that I'm really excited about. And I'll give a couple examples that I think there's a good story behind it. And uh, yeah, we've we've identified and screened over 11,500 technologies in water. So there's no shortage out there. And just an interesting point of information is, you know, the the number that have successfully commercialized in the water industry, water industry today from that 11,500, somewhere around 500. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot that don't make it and that are still not around. So I think, you know. What you're, the challenge you're solving, the story you're telling, that's all super important. A um, couple of companies I'm excited about and more about like the technology space, not the particular vendor um, is phosphorus recovery. Phosphorus is a finite resource. It's so important to ag. It's so important to our food supply, you know, healthy soils. And I think solutions in this space are telling good stories about how important a water utilities role is in being able to recover this resource and work with other players in the community for a better planet. Um, you know, and so I, I'm really excited about that. I think it's been a big part of the uptake of the technology and, um, you know, it's, it's still slow. There's still a business case that needs to be made for the right end user to, to adopt it. But I think that the storytelling behind that's been a part of its success. There's a number of technologies in this space. The one that's emerging that I am so excited about, um, and I have been for a number of years, I've been watching this company, um, specifically Mango Materials. So I'll, I'll give them a shout out, shout out. It's an early stage company. They're still in the you know validation of full scale testing phase, but it's basically creating a biopolymer uh, product from the fermentation of methane. And what kind of story, like how cool of a story is that is like, take the waste in the wastewater process, you can create a bioplastic that's going to solve our plastics issue. That's going to be part of all this futuristic packaging that, you know, um, that is just part of our lives. I can't avoid not getting an Amazon package. I don't want those cardboard boxes anymore, but what can I get as an alternative? Right? So I think the story behind that's so cool. And, um, I really hope that technology takes off just because we need it. So, yeah. So, Christina, I love what you said about uh, visiting the the, the uh, treatment plant, right? So it's something that Adam and I always talk about. If you really want to know where your technology fits, you need to know what the technology before upstream your technology is and what the technology is downstream. Because if you don't know those two things, 
you really can't understand the value of your technology and how it fits with the overall, you know, holistic, as you said, the holistic design of a plan. And then I, I really like what you had to say about the um, idea that you're taking a waste product, right? That is, and in most cases, that waste products are problematic. I mean, in phosphorus, if you put it downstream into a lake or a river, you're going to create an algal bloom. You're going to have all kinds of problems with that. So, you know, I, I really think that you, you're right on the money with how do we take those things and in, in conjunction with your technology and tie it all together. So uh, real gold for the, uh, I, I like to call uh, uh, the engineers that call on water treatment plants, uh, they're process detectives, right? They're trying to find the solution and how their particular component fits in the overall system. So any other uh, examples you can provide on, on that uh, in that realm? Yeah, I, well, I agree with you. Um, one of the companies I worked for before Isle was focused on the wastewater treatment process. And that was kind of part of the storytelling too, which is you can't just, and I see this all the time with vendors, you know, implement this solution and you will achieve X results. It's not that simple. You need to understand how this fits into the overall picture and how that might, you know, impact other technologies, other process changes and things like that. And so I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, yeah. I, so people just need to do their homework. It's that simple, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so true. The, the homework thing is so interesting because we had Jeff Hobbs on, who who is a, a digital leader in the utility. Industry. I just met him, believe Jeff it or is, not. Which is which <laughs> is wild because he's really he's a really remarkable person. And what he's what he's told us was how many times a vendor had walked into his utility and not had a clue that there he didn't even work for a public utility. It was a private water company. Mm -hmm. But people acted as if right? Oh, you work for a public utility. So your procurement processes must work like this. And these are the things that you're going to be interested in. And these are the incentives. And they were completely yeah. off kilter. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, Christina, like if, you know, you're a vendor in this industry, you have something innovative, you want to do your homework. Where do you start? Yeah. Um, well, there's, you know, the, the key things that I would do right away, um, I would go to their website, understand how they are governed, you know, what's what's the leadership? Is it a commission? Is it a board of directors? Is it appointed? Is it elected? Just knowing that also really um, can tell a story around how decisions are made and kind of the political sphere around that. I think that's really important. Um, learn about their services. You can go to, you know, services and is it water or wastewater? I mean, like really basic stuff. Um, but kind of doing a deeper dive, which is where, you know, kind of goes to differentiation. How do you go a step further? That really is not a heavy lift um, is go to their st latest strategic planning report, go to the latest capital improvement budget. Um, I like to go through CIP budgets because I want to know, you know, how has spending trended for the utility? Um, what are the key areas of expenditure? If you want to know, um, and actually Clifford Chan, uh, general manager East Bay Mud, I think is the one who told me this. If you want to know what's important to the utility, follow the money. Um, so hopefully that was you, Clifford, if, if he listens to this one. Um, but that's that's part of it. You kind of have to know where utilities are spending money, what's important. And then when you come with your widget, like how are you supporting that? If it's not directly tied how are you able to alleviate or address other areas that they didn't know they need that frees up time, 
staff time, resources, money back that help them achieve those goals, right? So that's really important. So CIP, the strategic report will tell a vendor where the utility is looking strategically in the future and where a lot of the planning is going. And for innovative solutions and companies that are new to the market and that are looking to get established, I think that's really important because that's where utilities doing research. That's where they're looking for alternatives. That's where they're wanting to think outside the box. So that's the time to really get into. Um, so yeah, those, those are just some like key things that you must do. You have to do that. <laughs> right. And Adam brought up a, an interesting point at the beginning. So when you sell into a utility, it's not just the utility you have to sell to as a decision maker, right? You've got the consulting engineer. Obviously, they've got regulations they've got to meet from the government side. Um, can you give us some insights on how to kind of manage that delicate balance of talking to individual, to different decision makers through the process? Yeah. Well, I think generally, like knowing your audience, you know, is really important. Um understanding what success looks like for them, like what's really important to them. What do they wake up trying to accomplish every day? What are some goals that they have? What, you know, that just kind of asking those questions and building that relationship establishes trust and understanding it kind of goes back to those earlier points. Um, so it's going to, you know, the audience is different. If I'm talking to a general manager versus someone that's in a, you know, director of engineering, like director of engineering is going to look at risk. They're going to look at things, more in a calculated way. The general manager is going to look at things from a community leadership perspective. It's not because it's, it's tied to what they wake up thinking about every day and what, how they show up. So, um, so that, that would be my, that would be, yeah, my advice. No, that's great. That's great stuff. All right, Christina, we, we try to keep it to 30 minutes or less. So I want to be cautious on time. I don't want to cut it short because this is this is super valuable. There's a lot of there, this is very dense, very, very good stuff. Time is flown by. I can't believe it's already yes. been 30 minutes. So we have uh, one final question for you, which is a question that we ask everyone. It sounds like maybe you're prepared for it. So you have access to a plane that has a banner behind it, and you get a tweet's worth of characters to fly that plane in front of every water professional around the, around the world. What do you have that banner say? Yeah. And I have had time to think about this because I do listen to your podcast, but it's still very hard to come up with an answer because it's just so significant, right? Like what's that one thing I want to leave everyone with. So <laughs> I'm feeling the pressure, you guys. Um, I think my message is like less water focused, but just more about people. I mean, it's, well, anyway, let me just tell you. So I think it's about, you know, we have limited time, find your why, you know, maybe it's that simple. It's, you know, especially this past couple of years, I think we understand the value of time and how that's important. And we've all been doing a lot of soul searching and, and just trying to think about what's our impact. And so I think as water professionals and not water professionals, like, why are you here? What do you want to do? Um, you know, it doesn't matter what your role is, what company you work for. It's just how do you want to be a part of the future that we want to create? So um, recognizing that there's very little time that we have here on Earth. Uh, what are we going to do with it? Uh, that's great stuff. So such valuable stuff, Christina. We really appreciate it. And we know that the audience is going to really appreciate uh, your, your insightful answers. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Jim. Thank you, Adam. Thank you.